Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to GCC. Uh, happy Father's Day, first off. Just want to say that and, and uh, uh, remember and celebrate the fathers today. I know uh, for many, uh, Father's Day is a time where you are currently right now celebrating new life. I'm thinking about uh, Chad and Michelle Saunders that just had their new baby. And so I want to uh, um, just honor and celebrate them as new parents. I know some of you are uh, might be waiting and expecting, uh, and some of you guys have been parents for a while. And so I want to say happy Father's Day. I also know with Father's Day, um, comes uh, just a ton of emotions and other emotions to where we were um, abandoned by our fathers or didn't have necessarily good fathers. Um, and, and, and so I also know this is a very sensitive holiday for, for many of you as well. And so in just a moment, I'm going to take a time to pray um, and pray for you wherever you're at, uh, whatever sort of emotion that Father's Day brings. I uh, want to pray for you, but also just want to take some time and just say happy Father's Day. Uh, we're so glad you guys are joining us this morning and uh, as, as we dive uh, into the Word of God. And so just a few things before we dive in this morning is first, last week we started a new series uh, titled Race, Culture, and Reconciliation. And so a, a few things. First, uh, we are going to continue to do that series, but instead of doing it back-to-back over four weeks, we're going to stretch it out over the next uh, three months. And so I'm going to do one sermon from that series once a month. And here's the reasons why I decided to do that. Through just uh, just prayer and, and seeking counsel this week, I really struggled with the fact that we don't have gospel communities meeting right now, and so we're not actually able to dialogue about this uh, topic. We're not, we're not able to have conversations. We're not able to share with one another. We're not able to uh, to hear from minorities in our community and how they're impacted, and I think that's such a value, and so I want this to last longer, and I want us to be able to, to have conversations about this, and so by doing this, it'll carry over into the fall when our groups start meeting again. Also, uh, just to be honest, like this is an area where I feel like my theology is 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 uh, like daily developing. I'm studying, I'm seeking, I'm I'm learning, I'm listening, I'm asking for uh, for counsel, and so I feel like I can best serve our church if I stretch this out over the next uh, few months instead of trying to hammer it all out at one time. And so uh, those are just a couple of the reasons that we're going to do it. We feel like this is such an important topic, and and uh, especially with all that's going on in our culture. But we want this to be a topic that just uh, uh, does, that doesn't just happen because it's driven by our culture right now, but it's something that we value and continue to have over the course of the next couple months. And so uh, that's that, that's one big announcement. So today we're actually going to be in the book of Matthew, and, and I'll explain why here in just a minute. But if you can, uh, while you're listening right now, just go ahead and open your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Next, one big announcement. So please tune in here, is that we are going to start meeting together as a church on July 12th at the DAC. So that's great news. That's big news. But here's what we need from you. Even if you want to do it right now while you're listening, if you go to our website, gccugene.org, on there, there's an events page. And uh, Hunter has created something that says 
special uh, event and you can actually go and you can register for service. The reason why we need you to do this is because we're trying to abide by the DAX policies with how many people we can have in the room. So we just need to get an idea of how many of you guys are actually planning on coming back to service and attending service in person. And so I'm gonna send out uh, a email with detailed information about that just to give you a couple details because this might help you as you pray through and think through whether you're gonna register or not is I, I wanna be honest and respectful here is that we're not going to require people to wear a mask. I'm not going to wear a mask. And I know that's a, um, that might be a deal breaker for some of you. And so um, we, we wanna be respectful and say that we understand that. So what we're gonna actually do is continue to live stream all the way through September. And so if you're someone that, 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 um, that doesn't feel comfortable stepping into that environment without people wearing masks, we're gonna continue to live stream because we wanna make sure we're feeding you and taking care of you as our family member as well. Um, but also, uh, because of the kids policies with the DAC and, and the sort of separation that they want us to have and putting all of our kids in a confined environment, we're actually going to do a family service. So all the family members are going to sit together. And so uh, it's going to be a little bit chaotic. It's going to be a little bit crazy. And this is why we also need you to register so we know how to set chairs up for families and for, uh, um, uh, for people that maybe already live together. Uh, just whoever and so it's really gonna help us out with the planning but just so you know that might be another deal breaker for you is that it, it's gonna be kids all in the service we're gonna do shorter services two songs up front one at the back shorter sermons to just kind of help with some of that but uh, that's a big announcement I'm excited about that I'm excited to meet again I'm excited to see people's faces and I'm excited for us to celebrate and take communion together um, as a family and so if you're visiting with us and you've been tuning in online and maybe you're bummed because you're wondering what's gonna happen with online like I said we're gonna keep going with it through the end of September so you'll be able to tune in and watch our services until that time so one last quick announcement before we dive in is again no gospel communities right now um, but what, what what we will do is is give you guys a heads up when those are going to uh, um, be coming your way again and when we're going to start those up uh, and uh, uh, lastly I guess I should say two more is uh, for giving there's three ways to give you can give um, through the Church Center Giving app. That's the easiest way, especially for those of you guys that like to give cash. The second way is through our website under the Give tab. And the third way is to mail a check um, to Post Office Box 41864, Eugene, Oregon, 97404. So those are three ways to give. Um, if you call this church your home, your family, and, and want to help support us um, through the pandemic and, and help other people, but also just uh, our, our mission here in Lane County, then please continue to give in that way. So. With that, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray uh, Father's Day prayer uh, for everyone, and we're going to dive into God's Word. So, uh, Father, we thank you so much for fathers. We thank you for the important roles that they play in children's lives. We thank you that you've given the gift of fathers, but what a pressure it is to know that you've given us as fathers the same title that you hold and have. So we have to know and understand that, that, that Father, as fathers, we fail and fall short constantly. And so I pray that as fathers, that what we do is that we point our kids constantly and ultimately to the greatest Father who has never and will never fail them, who never forsakes them, never abandons them, who always responds with graciousness, with love, with gentleness, with mercy, and with patience. I pray for those that have had a father who's hurt them, who's rejected them, who's abandoned them, for children who have reached out to their father only to be met by their father shutting them out of their lives. I pray that you administer to them right now the kind of father that you are, the love, the compassion, the mercy, and again, a father who never steps away, who never walks away. 
from his children, but instead, earnestly, devoutly, Father, you pursue those that are yours and always will hold us and carry us into eternity. Thank you for being that kind of father. I thank you for the new life that's in our church. I thank you for uh, the Saunders new baby. Um, as I think about many others in our church that have just uh, had new babies uh, recently. We thank you for them. We, we, we thank you for these fathers. We ask that you would strengthen these fathers, prepare these fathers, and I pray for these fathers that their goal and their aim is constantly to point their children to you, Jesus, to make you the hero. And when we fail at that, I pray that, Father, uh, uh, we would understand the grace you have for us as fathers, and we would run to you and cast ourselves into your arms as well. I pray for those that are expecting, uh, um, for those that have the excitement of, of waiting for a baby to come, that you would prepare them, but you would bring peace and comfort to them through their Father, our Father we have in you. Father, we need you. Speak to us this morning. Encourage us. Minister to us. Lead us by your word, through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. That's where we're going to be at this morning. We're going to be doing a one-off, and there's a reason for that. Uh, as we dive in, something I've noticed are these words a lot in our culture right now is done, tired, exhausted, wrung out, fatigued. These are the words that describe me and many others that I've talked to in our current season. And here's the reality. We have all been confronted with how quickly things change. That's just a reality. The job or career you have or had, the way that job is done on a daily basis, the way you talk and interact with people, your experience at the grocery store, Home Depot, the barber, and the doctor, they've all changed. Stay-at-home moms find themselves figuring out how to homeschool and keep themselves and their children from going crazy. Professors and students find themselves trying to adapt to a new way of learning at a rapid pace. I think about many of our professors and many of our teachers and many of our educators right now who, who've had their lives uh, uh, turned upside down with trying to learn new ways to teach. Students trying to uh, learn new ways to learn at a, such a rapid pace of change. Gym owners and members try to stay afloat while providing fitness for people. A virus invisible without a microscope has brought so much change that's killed around 120,000 people in our country. As we all experience so much change so rapidly, we find ourselves, especially our beloved A-type brothers and sisters and people who like to be 10 steps ahead, tired and exhausted. I've heard that over and over and over again. That's the theme from people I've talked to. I have felt that myself. Even today, we're thankful uh, that we're able to give our staff a day off since we've been just kind of running and, and pushing Nathan and Hunter so hard through this season. In addition to all this rapid change in the reactionary state we find ourselves in came the murdering of George Floyd that took a nation that has been knocked on its butt and led to being a nation on fire. With minorities grieving and calling for peace, peaceful justice, others took it upon themselves to respond to these tragedies with violence. This is obviously all the Democrats and liberals' fault, says the right, and this is obviously all the Republicans and conservatives' fault, says the left. A very just cry for justice turned quickly into family members against family members, friends against friends, and if we're being honest, church members against church members. Everyone finds themselves right now passionately fighting for what we believe in and what we believe is right. The African Americans fighting for value, dignity, and to be heard. And this has been a long time fight for them, not something new. 
as many minorities with them. Our law enforcement officials are fighting to show they disagree with the actions of the officer in Minnesota, and many have been fighting for a long time to create a culture of integrity, only to find themselves now despised. This leads them to be exhausted. Many whites are fighting to grasp and understand what is going on and how to even respond as a child of God. Fighting is hard and fighting is tiring and fighting can be good since we're all called to fight the good fight of faith. However, it's not a sustainable state for us to live in. So here we find ourselves today from a ton of change into a fight, which like I said, some have been fighting for decades. So it makes sense why almost everyone I've talked to has said the same thing. We're just tired. Our world has been shaken up and we have been reminded, seen and experienced how fickle this life and world is. We have seen and felt how quickly things can change and out of control we actually are. We are reminded of the proverb that tells us that we can make plans in our hearts, but it's ultimately God who determines the steps. We can truly grasp and understand how much this world is hevel. If you guys remember that word from Ecclesiastes, it, it, it means vanity of vanities, uh, smoke and vapor. Because we think we can get our hands wrapped around things, we're reminded how quickly things slip through our fingertips and how out of control we are. This exacerbates anxiety and depression for those who struggle with it. And the more we try to control things outside of our control, the more we find ourselves tired, exhausted, anxious, stressed, and depressed. Change and fighting exhausts us on top of sin and idols that, that, that we daily struggle with. Just to give a couple examples from, from our present day is some of, some of us have battled the, uh, the working out and body image idol that's come to the forefront. Whether driven by approval, control, and the need to ups, uh, uphold a certain body image, many found themselves not where they had hoped to be. Our idolatry of success was confronted as our economy was knocked down and the stock market took a massive hit. New businesses and, and existing ones have not survived and for many we're confronted with how much success our work and our economy is our true hope. As they need to be because they give many people their sense of worth and they feed an even deeper need which is our materialism. One last example is our hobbies, including watching sports and our inability to do things and take trips that we wanted to. And we've seen that these things actually hold a place of being supreme in our hearts and lives because these things affect our emotions. It's, it's okay to be bummed by these things, but these things are telling. For some, the response has been curling up on the couch. For others, it's been immersing yourself in work or projects around the house. For others, it's been books and Netflix. I know where I fit in. And I think if we can admit that we have all been tired and we've all been running to different things, there's, there's, there's a reason why our alcohol levels are 27% higher um, for, for spirits than before. There, there's a reason why people are turning to so many things. And so my question is, is what or who are you turning to right now? When we're tired, when we're hurting, when we're in pain, what or who are you turning to? In a country, and specifically to narrow it in to our church family, who are you turning to or what? Let's look at Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And I pray even reading these words, but, but preaching through these would minister to you today. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. It starts off in verse 28 with a command. Jesus says, these are his words. He's talking right now with so much turmoil and chaos going on in Jerusalem at the, at the time. He actually says, come to me. It's a command. He's saying, come, come to me. That is our chief shepherd, the good shepherd, and ultimately our ultimate pastor is trying to pastor us. And he starts off saying, come to me. This is his plea. Notice Jesus didn't give a 12-step process. He doesn't give some tips or practices for us to try out. He doesn't suggest a nap or 14 hours of sleep. When people are exhausted, wrung out, his first words are, come to me. Just come to me. And our response is, well, I feel shameful and dirty for what I've done. Or I feel guilty for my actions. Notice Jesus' first words are not, go and take care of that. Go and make payment for that, but instead, come to him. Look at the next part. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. That's what he says. Come to me. Who? All who labor and are heavy laden. What are the prerequisites for us to come to Jesus? I'm just going to be honest. I've been heavily influenced by Dane Ortland, uh, gentle and lowly, with even preparing for this. But, but let's look at the prerequisites. What are they for us to come to Jesus? What should I do? What, what qualifies me to come to Jesus? Is it my sorrow, my act of penance, my, my beating myself up for three days, my reading the word enough, my praying enough? No, the only thing that qualifies you here is if you are tired, weak, burnt out, heavy laden, and have nothing left to give. That's what qualifies you. That's your prerequisite. The world wants us when we have something to give, but Jesus bids us come and we have nothing to give and nothing to offer him. Why? He needs nothing from us. He didn't come to earth because he needed something from us. He came to give everything to us and for us to see that he is truly the one person you can turn to without anything to give other than your broken, sinful, tired, and exhaustive self. And that's what he wants. He wants us to come with, 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 with this brokenness, with our tiredness, with our exhaustion, and just collapse. The great physician did not come to help healthy people get a little healthier. He came to those who understand they are broken, tired, shameful, guilty, angry, bitter, and trying to just figure things out. He also doesn't come and stand far off and cry out, come half ways and I will come the other half. No, he comes fully and he bids us come when we have nothing left. He doesn't have to, for Christ, I'll say it this way, is he doesn't have access to some secret medicine for us. Instead, he is the medicine that our souls need. He's the very medicine that we need and he wants to give himself to us. The only thing he wants us to do is to recognize that and to collapse in his arms. He wants to minister. He wants to love us. And he wants to do this at our state where we are completely tired and broken and have nothing to give. As Ortland says, he does not view us like a boy reaching out to touch a slug as something yucky. He does not view us or treat us like my daughters do earthworms after a rain as something they don't want to touch. No, he bids us come and come at our worst because he wants to meet us there, love us there, and hold us there. This is something we have to understand. Again, just reiterating that what Jesus says is this, is come to me and come to me when you're absolutely at your worst your broken state, your sinful state, your most shameful, guilty state, when you are tired, exhausted, and have nothing to possibly offer me, come, because I want to love you at that state. That is, the, that is literally what he's saying. Come to me, all who are labored and heavy laden and burdened. What does he say next? He gives a promise now. I will give you rest. 
That's what he says. I will give you rest. He has a promise for you when you come to him with nothing to give. And this is the promise. One that Christ alone can truly offer. And he does it because the promise, as Paul tells us, is from him. It's true. And he never lies. Rest is what he promises to give. We are tired, so we run to other things, including sleep. And he says, come and I will give you rest. Listen to this. It's possible for someone to get 14 hours of sleep and still feel exhausted. It's, it's possible for someone to go on a two-week vacation and come back and still feel completely drained. Jesus is talking about something deeper, greater, a more holistic type of rest. A peace that runs and flows to the depths of our souls. Our greatest need is to be reconciled to our Creator, to be held by Him, to be loved by Him, and Jesus alone provides this. You can take a day off, a week off, and still feel exhausted because we need something at a deeper level, and that's what Christ is offering. Look here, He even says this at the end of 29, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He's saying there's something deeper that we need. We actually need a soul rest. That's what He's offering. What we need is our inmost being needs to know that God approves of us, that He loves us, and He is actually fully and completely satisfied in us. Our souls were created by our Creator to be in relationship with Him, and Christ provides that. I believe this is completely why we can be restless while resting if we don't come to Jesus and remember the rest He gives. There is nothing in this text about what we do or earn for this rest because Jesus purchased it for us. Restless he prayed all night before the cross in the garden and didn't give in like the first Adam. Restless he was beaten by men and restless he hung on a cross. He was tired and without sleep, utterly exhausted. However, the greatest restlessness came when the Son of God was forsaken by his Father. People later asked how Jesus didn't die like Peter and some of the other great martyrs, like Justin, martyr, where they seem to embrace their deaths while yelling victorious things. I've been asked this question. Why did Jesus not die like they did, with a sense of peace? The answer is simple. None of the martyrs were forsaken and restless at their deaths like Jesus. In fact, they went to their deaths with peace and a sense of rest because they knew God would never forsake them because Christ was already forsaken for them on the cross. We tire quickly when we don't come to Christ. When we don't come to his work, to his obedience, and to all that he did and paid on our behalf, we tire when we start working to earn a love he freely gives instead of just coming to him and, and accepting fully what he has done. I talked to a man this week out on the street. It was a really interesting conversation. And I was telling him how much God proved to love him by sending his son. And he quickly interrupted me and said, if God actually loved us, then he would have done it himself. And I asked him, I said, are you a father? And he, re he replied, no. I said, there is no greater way to show love than to offer your own child. And any parent would know that. The, the, the pain and the hurt that would bring through faith in Christ, our souls have what they need. The love, the acceptance, the relationship and full approval of our creator because he is always satisfied in the work of his son and the work that was given to us through and in Christ. Jesus wants us to come to him. He wants to give us rest because he gives the rest of his perfect life and his death and his resurrection. Imagine all the love 
that you've ever felt in your entire life. Just imagine this with me. Think, think, think of family, think of friends, think of mentors, think of people who, have, who have, you have felt loved by, and then take all of that love you have felt by them and, and then multiply it by a million. You still, with all of that, don't, don't, don't hold anything close to the infinite love that God has for you. Like, I can't make you see or understand how much Christ loves you and how much love God has for you. All this love, the full measure of it, not, not a partial measure of it, the full measure of God's love is given to us through Christ. And that's actually what gives our souls rest. We are loved with an infinite measure, far greater than any love that anyone else could ever offer us. That's the kind of love that he offers us. Again, like Ortland explains, what we come to Christ for and how he gives us rest is he gives us mercy, forgiveness, grace, and love, which he never runs out of and delights to offer. Let me read this from the author himself. He uses this story as an illustration to talk about Jesus loving us coming to him over and over again to offer us that mercy, grace, and forgiveness. He says, A compassionate doctor has traveled deep into the jungle to provide medical care to a primitive tribe afflicted with a contagious disease. He has had his medical equipment flown in, he has correctly diagnosed the problem, and the antibiotics are prepared and available. He is independently wealthy and has no need of any kind of financial comp uh, compensation. But he seeks to provide care. The afflicted refuse. They want to take care of themselves. They want to heal on their own terms. Finally, a few brave men step forward to receive the care being freely provided. What does the doctor feel? Joy. His joy increases to the, the, to the degree that the sick come to him for help and healing. It's the whole reason he came. He goes on to say, let's translate this. When you come to Christ for mercy and love and help in your anguish and perplexity and sinfulness, you are going with the flow of his own deepest wishes, not against them. So as he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's saying, do this. Because the kind of rest that he gives us and offers us is the rest of knowing that we are fully reconciled, fully approved, fully accepted, and fully loved by God. And our souls have to know that in order for us to have rest. Then he says something interesting. He says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. This, <clears throat> this doesn't sound good or restful initially for a tired person, but what if you knew the irony of what Jesus was saying and read the rest of the section where he tells you that his yoke is easy and his burden is light? What he's actually saying is this, is that his yoke is the very thing that gives you rest. As Ortland explains, the yoke of Jesus is like helium to a balloon. By coming to him and taking his work and love upon you, it's meant to lift you up, make you feel lighter, and so you can feel like you can breathe. What are you carrying right now? What is your yoke? Is it the yoke of Christ? He promises that if it's his yoke, it's easy and it's light and it's not a burden for you. Listen to this. The yoke of Christ that, that, that we carry that makes us lighter, that makes us feel like we can breathe, that's a weight lifted, it's the yoke of righteousness. That's what he gives us. He gives us the yoke of righteousness, the yoke of purity, the yoke of perfection, the yoke of being clean, the yoke of being free. That's what it's meant to do when we understand the yoke that he gives us to carry. It's actually meant to lift us up and draw the weight or pull the weight or cast the weight off of us. Then he says this, and learn from me. What does this mean? Learn from me. What does Christ want us to learn from him? What does Jesus want to teach us? Well, he's our great high priest who sympathizes with us. He wants us to know that as we see in Hebrews. He wants to teach us about his grace and about his mercy and his justice and character. But we're, we are told, he actually tells us right here. 
What he wants us to learn from him is, read on, 29, I am gentle and lowly in heart. That's what he wants us to learn. His character, his heart. Here's where we end today. We are exposed to the heart of Christ. As he invites us to come with nothing to give, he promises to give us rest and rest for our souls, a type of rest no one else can offer. As he tells us to take on his yoke, the yoke of his work, which makes us lighter and gives us the ability to have a holistic rest into the depths of our souls, he offers us a comfort. But what is our comfort? Would we have a comfort? Our comfort is to know what his heart is like. Would we have a comfort if we didn't know what his heart is like? In fact, he tells us clearly, he states, I am gentle and lowly. We won't come if we believe the heart of Christ is rough and explosive. If he's constantly disappointed at us and angry at us for doing the same sins over and over again. We won't come if we believe he is irritable and frustrated. He again tells us who he is and what he is like. He is gentle and lowly. Gentle, kind, meek. He's lowly. He delights to offer us mercy. He delights to give us forgiveness. That's literally why he came. The great physician came to heal us and to offer his mercy and to offer us uh, his forgiveness. And so that is his heart. That is his character. And he wants the broken. He wants the weak. He wants the tired to turn to him. And so we must know that when we do turn to him, at our worst, that we are held, that we are embraced. And I think for us to actually truly know and understand the magnitude and the depths and just the richness of the love of Christ and to experience that we can't unless we start to come to him when we have nothing to give but when we start to come to him when we have nothing to give just a tired broken bitter angry wrung out state and just claps in his arms then we know in that moment we are loved we can experience his love and we can experience his love in a new way because it's not something that we have done to show up with that we're at least a little bit proud of or, or that we can cling to or said, look at what I've done. We, sh- we show up with nothing to give, then we have to trust in his arms and fall into his arms that he loves us and he holds us in that moment. This is good news for us because in a world with so much change coming at us that exhausts us, this truth doesn't change. When you are in Christ, you are in Christ, loved by God, and you can always come to him and he will give you rest. This is so good in a world that's in a constant state of fight right now because Christ has already fought the perfect fight for us. And with so much sin and idolatry, we understand that he's paid for our sins, that, that, that we can't add anything to what Christ has already done. We can't purchase more grace. We can't purchase more righteousness. He's poured, he's poured out the full measure. The only thing we can do is accept it, receive it, and experience it. Like I said, his yoke is that yoke of perfection and righteousness with all of this when we grasp this when we understand this when our souls start to believe this and accept this we can come to him and like i said literally just wrung out tired with nothing to give and that's the part of us that he wants to love that's the state we come in where he truly wants to love us and i believe that we'll understand a rest for our souls and that we won't even have this rest for our souls until we come to him then and so that's my encouragement today, is to, is to take a Sabbath. Take some time off, but when you do, come to Jesus first. And, and rest in Him and say, Lord, I'm coming to you for rest. But I need you to give me the rest in my soul. The rest of your work, the rest of your obedience, the rest that I am made right with God and I can't make myself more right. 
Take some time to rest this week, please. Take some time to play and pray that your heart can accept and receive that when you come to Jesus at your worst, he loves that because he loves to pour out his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness on you. Know and pray that his heart is gentle and lowly, that it's tender, it's meek. And just know that I am preaching this from someone who had to receive this for myself this week. I was frustrated because I felt like I needed to bring something to Christ and I had nothing to bring. I was just wrung out and tired. And so in a sense, the only prayer I had was help. And I was reminded that he promises this and says, in a sense, Rick, and you can put your name in front of it. Rick, come to me. As you're tired and burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for it's light, and, he, and, and I will give rest for your soul. And I pray that we would remember this this week. I'm going to close out by just reading this passage again over your soul and hope that it will minister to you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light.